to the audio event of the century, featuring two lifelong best friends. We love the Leafs. We love each other. But most of all, we love William Nylander. Welcome to the Buds All Day. Hello and welcome to the Buds All Day Podcast. I'm Sats Mundine, joined by Noah Banks. Hey, what's up, guys? And we are coming to you guys after ho-hum yet another dominant Toronto Maple Leafs victory over a playoff team, this time 7-3 over the Washington Capitals. Noah, what were your thoughts on tonight's game? Oh, just, it's so nice beating playoff teams. Like, I like I hate the games like Buffalo, but it just, it's so rewarding when it's just like, this is a big playoff team and... They uh former Stanley Cup champions with their core, and we just walk in and uh, it's 7-3 win, and they weren't in it for a second. And it's just like, oh, that feels so good, especially as we come down the stretch, eh? Yeah, from the first shift of the game, you could just tell the Leafs were on one tonight. They were You had those Nylander chances early. You had just it, the shots were like 5 nothing early. It was just it was never really a contest. They, like It looked like it might be one for like, literally 20 seconds when John Carlson scored to make it 2-1. And then the Leafs like, okay, we're just going to score uh, three quick goals here, make it 5-1, easy win for the boys. And yeah, it's it's crazy how dominant they've been against playoff teams this year. We saw on TSM the graphic the other night. I'm looking at it right now. The points percentage in the North Division versus playoff teams, the Leafs have the highest percentage at 6 6 7%. So they're winning two-thirds of their games against playoff teams. Florida's second at 0.657. Tampa's only 500 and Boston is below 500. So going into the playoffs, I think that's pretty huge. And that's exactly why a game like the one against Buffalo really didn't get me worked up at all. I honestly couldn't care less what they do against the, the shitty teams. And I assume you saw that uh, Bob McKenzie radio hit where they were talking about um, the Leafs core getting kind of uh, talked to by management saying, you guys got to beat these crappy teams and they just said, no, don't worry about it. We'll get it done when we need to get it done. And honestly, like, like it's kind of like, I don't love that mindset of like, oh yeah, we'll get it done. It's like Joe Thornton last year, but like they're backing up what they're saying. Like they're like you showed with the stats, like they are beating these top teams right now. Yeah. It's something where if they lose in the first round and they, and they really disappoint, we're probably going to look at, look back on that and be like, well, they, you know, they show that they can bring it every night. They don't take teams lightly and and they couldn't consistently put that effort forth in the playoffs but man would i rather be this way than than to be the reverse like if you look at boston they have a 484 winning percentage against playoff teams and a 793 versus non-playoff teams so they're just destroying terrible teams and and it's pretty much the same with tampa so going into a series against those teams it's got to make you feel good and i don't i don't know if that bob mckenzie like it sounds like it's kind of fake it sounds almost like something that maybe you would hear from the Joe Thornton-led team last year, and I would hope that it's not true that they said that, but if they're going to back it up like this, who are we to complain? Exactly, and I liked something they did tonight. Like I just I tweeted it out a couple times, but it was the Leafs smelled blood in the water, and they just kept going. When, that, when it was 4-1, I know everyone kind of has the 4-1 or the 3-1 kind of jitters where you're a little bit nervous. You're sitting on the edge of your seat thinking we might blow this. But for them to keep pushing and it's the 5-1, 6-1 goal, like to just never really take your foot off the gas pedal, like I really like that. It felt like the Capitals never had that typical like mid-second period, late-second period push where they maybe score two quick ones or the shots jump up like 10-1 to in a seven-minute span. Like that didn't happen. We just, they kept pushing tonight. And I I really liked seeing that because that's been a, 
that's been a touchy thing in the last couple of years from this Leafs team. Yeah, for all the hand-wringing people do for like the blown leads, the rare time that it happens, everybody absolutely loses their mind. But a night like tonight is exactly what you want to see. Like no, lo- no lack of composure, no fear, no anything like that. They just kept the pedal to the metal and it's what they've been doing all year. I'm pretty sure that they have only one loss when in regulation when they've been leading after two periods. And it's easy to see why when they play like tonight. And I th- I'm pretty sure that number is like 33, one and four or something like that. Like it was, that was what it was pretty recently. And it's just, it's, it kind of goes to show how overreactive people can be to games like that Florida one where they blow a lead. Uh, and then, you know, they, they come back in overtime and lose, but like, that happens so rarely in the grand scheme of things and blowed leads just happen to every team in hockey. So when the Leafs can keep doing like what they're doing tonight, it's, it's going to put a lot of those fears to rest in the playoffs. Yeah. in an 82 game schedule, you're going to have teams get hot for 10 minutes and score three goals and you're going to blow a lead. So um, I'm, I'm really liking the way that we're playing recently, like uh, over the, the last three, four weeks, you look at the teams that this team is beating and um, some of the win streaks that they're piling up and the amount of goals that they're scoring. Like it, it feels a lot better than in previous years where we've almost limped into the playoffs or it's kind of like, Oh, we've, we've got this playoff spot clinched where we're going to kind of coast for the final month. It really feels like they're, they are ramping up for the playoffs. Like we've seen other teams do uh, before those big playoff runs. Yeah, that's a good point because in a couple of those Mike Babcock seasons, they had the scenario where they knew they were facing Boston for the last two months of the year. You know, they got off to those really good starts. They would get 20 games above 500 and then they would just hover there for the rest of the year and kind of sleepwalk their way in the playoffs. And it, w- it would show pretty early sometimes. So I think that's a great point. It's really important that they are keeping their pedal to the metal and, you know, only losing to, to junky teams. Like you just look at their last few games. Capitals, playoff team, win. Sabres, junk, loss. They they somehow find a way to beat the Canadians who are terrible, which is a surprise. But then you have wins against the Stars. The, you know, the the Panthers are in there. The, the Lightning. Like, there's just so many big wins that this team is having. And I like that they're really, I think, making a point of trying to get that home advantage in round one. Um, and I think, honestly, more important than the home advantage is is kind of what you said and just keeping that momentum going forward. I, I like how they're, it's just, it doesn't feel like they're slowing down at any point. We haven't really had a, had a skid of like two or three games where they've kind of been off and they, we have those losses like against Buffalo where it leaves a bad taste in your mouth, but then immediately following, they have a big answer game where they come back and um, just destroy a playoff team in the Washington Capitals. Um, so it, it's really, really hard to kind of temper expectations and be like, oh, well, it's the Leafs when they're playing games like this and they have a start to the second period like they did against the Caps in this game. And it's um, it's getting really hard to not be all in on this bandwagon and be planning parade routes right now. I know. I don't know how many times they're going to have to let me down before I, I learn my lesson and stop believing in this team because I'm right there with you. Like the the brain is telling me that this team is going to win around. But I think when we do our playoff preview in a couple weeks here, I think whoever we're playing, the the I'll probably have to give a brain prediction and a heart prediction. The brain's going to tell me, yeah, Leafs in six, Leafs in seven, whatever. The heart is just going to say opponent in seven because that's the way it's gone so far. But we'll leave that for the future. But I think a big part of what the Leafs do in the playoffs is going to be Jack Campbell. And he came back tonight after uh, missing Tuesday's game due to a minor injury maintenance day. I thought Campbell looked all right tonight. He had, you know, that third goal probably wasn't the best goal he's ever going to let in was kind of a squeaky rebound, but 
I felt like tonight he just gave the Leafs what they needed. They didn't need him to be brilliant to win. They were by far the better team. And, you know, as long as Andre Vasilevsky doesn't play out of his mind in round one, I feel like performances like this from Jack Campbell are going to be just fine. And I like the way that you phrased that there. He, uh, Jack Campbell gave this Leafs team a chance to win tonight. And honestly, if that's what he does in the playoffs every single night, I'm not going to complain. He doesn't have to be uh, 9.30 for this team to have success. If you just if he comes in and he, he doesn't let in the crappy back-breaking goal um, and he, just, he plays well and gives this team a chance to win every single night, um, this team does win when he does that. So it's... Um, it's really nice seeing Campbell come back. I know, like you said, he had those two games uh, off uh, to uh, ail whatever was um, bugging him, but he's he's looked fine, uh, and I, I'm not as uh, uncomfortable with him going into the playoffs as I, I might have been when he originally came back or right before he did. Yeah, I think the only question really at this point is his health. Like, is he going to get hurt again? Is he going to aggravate something that he's had in the past or something like that? Because we saw kind of from Shalgren that's not a guy I want to use in the playoffs. And we saw Carter Hutton. I think his name's Carter. Is it Carter Hutton? Carter Hutton. Yeah. I always mix up Carter and Ben. Ben was the defenseman we got last year, but we saw Carter Hutton got his, you know, his custom Toronto Maple Leafs mask. I wonder if maybe he makes an appearance or two uh, down the stretch just to kind of see what they have in him. Um, they acquired him from Arizona, but Shalgren just doesn't inspire a ton of confidence. I think it's going to come down to what Jack Campbell can do. And I think as long as he stays healthy, he, he seems to be a reliable a- answer. What are you, what is your thoughts on Shalgren though? Would you like, if we go into a playoff game with him in that, do you have any faith that they could win? I think you can win around with Shalgren, um, depending on how the team plays. If they give you uh, the kind of efforts they've been giving you lately, I think you can win four of seven with Shalgren, but I think putting him at uh Winning anything beyond that is just un- unrealistic expectations. Uh, I think he's a good goalie, and I think he's, I think what he is is a rookie um, NHL backup giving you quality starts every once in a while. And I think for where he's at in his development, that's pretty good out of a European free agent. Um, but anything past like four or five games where you're relying on him, I don't think that. Um, we're going to go far with Eric Schalgren as your goalie. Yeah, I just I don't want to see him in the playoffs. If it's for a game, whatever. I just feel like, you know, if you have him in your net and Vasilevsky in the other net, it's not going to be a night where you feel very good. He's rocking an 899 save percentage in 10 games this year, like which out of your fourth string goalie is pretty good. And we know that Mrazek injury was six weeks, so we'll see kind of where that leaves him for the playoffs. He might be able to you know, be a backup late in round one if we get to round two, wherever that is. So we might have a little bit more insurance, but man, does it make nights like tonight scary when you see Tom Wilson run over Jack Campbell. You know, we had that Dallas game where uh, Studenich, I believe his name was, kind of ran into Jack Campbell. We saw the hey, Jack had to come in, uh, play back-to-back against Florida in the last game we did a podcast for. There's just, it's just, you're always one move away from, absolute disaster it feels like and it was nice for me tonight to see the Leafs really go at Tom Wilson for what he did and to kind of show teams like hey if you come at the goalie you're gonna pay a price like I like I was I was kind of heated tweeting I said we should go run their goalie just to make up for it but uh, at least they you know Kyle Clifford if if there's anybody in the league I don't want to fight it's Tom Wilson and I have a lot of respect for Kyle Clifford for sticking in there for I wouldn't a fight that I wouldn't say he won but he certainly didn't make a fool of himself. No, I, I don't think he won, but I also 
don't think it's a super clear loss, which usually you see with guys like Tom Wilson stepping up. Um, and I like what you you were kind of saying there. It's just the the, the Leafs won. Uh, they won 7-3 on the scoreboard. And also, it didn't feel like they got pushed around tonight. And in years past, they lose. They might win a game where they dominate on the scoreboard, but you're kind of leaving with a couple of bruises. And you're thinking, oh, we got maybe a couple of guys leaving with injuries. And it wasn't like that today. The, I felt the Leafs not only took over on the scoreboard, but also they kind of pushed the Capitals around a little bit. And they weren't they weren't um, taking advantage, being taken advantage of. They were really pushing back, which from this Leafs team, I really liked seeing. Yeah, I think that they're a lot tougher than they were last year. And it's not that they added a bunch of tough guys, although having a Labushkin helps, having Kyle Clifford in there does help. I just think what you see from even a Morgan Riley tonight, laying a big hit right after that, uh, that Kyle Clifford, Tom Wilson fight, you have Matthews laying guys out. Even Marner hit somebody the other day. Marner's willing to get into a scrum. Having a guy like Bunting in there, I think they're just, I don't know if it's just a, that they've made like a conscious decision to change or whether it's because they've just matured because they're all a year older. Whatever it is, I it again, it's just something that makes me believe. It just, it's going to suck me in because this team feels like a team that could go into a TD garden in Boston on a Saturday night, game four, game five, whatever it might be, and not get intimidated by the crowd, not get intimidated by Brad Marchand's antics. It just, it feels a lot better this time around. Yeah. The confidence level is, uh, is definitely really high, especially after like a seven to three win. It's just, I I'm finding it difficult to be poking holes in uh, what they're doing right now. Um, but yeah, it's just, I'm like, it's, it's feeling good to be in Leafland right now. It just, I'm uh, I'm a lot calmer going into this playoffs than I've been in years past where like it doesn't feel like oh we have to win a round or it almost feels like there's higher expectations for this group and uh I it's it's dangerous but I'm almost looking past the first round that's how much confidence Whoa! this team is inspiring oh, me I'm telling you I'm believing in this group I am at the point where I'm still in the win around crowd before I can truly get myself to believe. But I'm telling you, the second that buzzer goes in game four, five, six, seven, whatever game they clinch, I will be all aboard the cup wagon. Like I will be putting my mortgage, even though I don't have one, my life savings, I will be putting every single thing I own onto the score bet app and I will be betting on the Leafs to win the cup because I will, I will have the passion that unites us all. I think it's just about getting through that round to me. So I, I hope that we can all be sipping that Kool-Aid, you know, sometime in mid-May. Now, speaking of reasons to feel confident going into a playoff series, one thing that we've been looking for going into the playoffs was the return of November William Nylander. And Noah, I think we got that tonight. Two goals a disgusting 86% expected goals for just flying with chances throughout the game before he even got his goal. He got absolutely robbed early by Samsonov, overcame it, and just just absolutely battled. That was, uh, that was quite an encouraging performance from Willie. I think you had the perfect word there. He was flying tonight. He just... I felt like he was he was retrieving pucks. He was big on the back check, and it was he was doing the things not just putting the puck in the net. He was doing all the other things that I'm sure Keith and the coaching staff have been begging for him to do all season. And he was rewarded handsomely. And he had a couple like big plays. He had before his goal, he had that like insane pass like right out front of the net, tape to tape with an open net, and it just he ended up scoring after. Like it truly does feel like you said he's back to November Willie, where he's. 
when he's on the ice, he's taking over games, he's tilting the ice. And with that at 85 uh, expected goals, like the numbers are backing up the eye test. Yeah, and I want to bring up that goal that you talked about because it all it was his second goal. It started off with him making a nice drive to the outside, taking it behind the net, and then centering it to Riley. Uh, and then he just, you know, he got his nose to the net, as so many people will say he didn't or doesn't. And uh, he, he was able to get that goal. And the funny thing was at the intermission, they asked him about the goal and he's, he watched it in classic nonchalant Willie fashion. And then he's just like, yeah, I guess I got lucky. And I was like, Willie, have you been listening too much to the Toronto media? That was not luck, buddy. He, he's almost ripping himself like the media does. He, uh, he earned that goal. He, he did a brilliant job to drive the lane, to get that, you know, make that beautiful pass. And he drove the net. Like that's all what we want to see from Willie. And I think, it got me kind of wondering, like, was he maybe coasting and saving himself? Was it the, you know, we know he had COVID around December. That's kind of when he turned a little bit negative on the season. That's when his, his downswing started. I'm wondering if maybe it was a combination of like the long COVID effects and, uh, you know, just kind of ramping himself up for the playoffs now. Yeah. Well, when we're talking about multi 30 goal season scorer, William Nylander, it's, uh, I feel like he's definitely been, uh, he's picking it up lately. And I think we talked about it on previous podcasts where we said like, you know, like it's Willie, like he's just being Willie. If he, if he's going to take 20, 30 games off and then turn it on for the playoffs, all will be forgiven. And uh, with this recent stretch of play, not even just in this game, but um, in a few previous games, it really feels like he's, he is, as you said, ramping it up for the playoffs to have kind of a repeat of what he did last year. And it's kind of funny that this game comes after there was kind of some talk earlier in the week. I think Jonas Siegel put in his article something about how he might be the guy that they trade in the offseason. I've just been hearing so much crap about it, but he had an amazing playoffs last year. If he has another good playoffs this year, how can you trade the guy? Like it's, it, I hate that it always has to come to that. He's always got to be the scapegoat like Gardner was or like Kessel was before him. It's just like, can we not just enjoy this guy? Sure. He, he had a rough stretch, but you said it. he's, he's ramping up. He's rounding into form. And I mean, he's on like a point of game pace. So how can you really be mad at the guy if he performs in the playoffs? And then if you look tonight, we have, him, you know, he's been split up with from Tavares. We have the the two, at least two best lines were the the camp line with Engvall and Nylander and the Kerfoot line uh, with Tavares and Mikheyev, both above eighty seven percent expected goals. So, Noah, do you think that's something that you just want to keep seeing Sheldon Keefe roll with all the way to the playoffs, or are you hoping that he he reconnects Tavares and Nylander? Yeah, I'm not sure. Like they're playing so well right now that it, it is really hard to say. Okay, like we got to go back to it, especially remembering how Tavares and Nylander looked the final like four or five games that they were paired together. So like, as of right now, I'm kind of digging the new lines. Just uh, like, I, I don't love Willie, Willie on the third line, but if he's playing the way that he is and he's still getting his minutes and he's he's putting in the effort that he is, like it's, it's really hard to give up the three line approach and go have this big, uh, have the, try to have the stack top six that doesn't quite fit well. So like right now, I'm totally down for keeping it. And if you're maybe down in a game or you need a goal, you just, you you know, you can swap Willie and uh, put him back up in the top six. But I don't know how you feel, but I'm I'm kind of digging these lines right now where they're at. I'm completely with you. I think if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And that line really seems to be rounding into form, especially with the way Angball is playing. Like he's more than just a third line plug grinder. Like, like we know David Camp is a defensive center. But Engvall has been showing lately, like he had two beautiful assists tonight. He's showing the speed. Him and Nylander are just a two-on-one or a breakaway waiting to happen every shift. 
And we've seen what a difference Mikheyev has made on the Tavares line. Like they just, things are clicking a lot better. And I, I agree with your second point as well. If, if you get to a point in a playoff game where you really do need the offense, then maybe, yeah, you do double shift Nylander. You, you replace Kerfoot with Nylander on that line for a couple shifts and you try to get some offense, but yeah, with the way that they were just kind of treading water, it's pretty, pretty easy for Sheldon Keefe right now. You just, you just keep these lines together and, and, these lines have been together pretty much throughout this whole streak where we've been just pounding on really good teams. And I really like how we don't really know what the playoff lines look like. I've been asking them for years to change things up and try new things going into the playoffs when you have such a big cushion on the, on where you're um, seating. So it just seeing them go and attempt this, uh, this camp uh, Nylander Engvall third line. And then, Hey, maybe five games before the playoffs start, you know, okay, we got to put our playoff lineup. You go right back to it. But um, regardless, in a series, like if we if it doesn't start the way we want, we know we can trust the way that they're set up now or we can go back to the way it was. And I just like having all these different options that we can come at them with where we're not trying like Nylander at center for the first time all season in a do or die game. Like we kind of know what the options could be if someone got hurt or if we just needed to shake things up. Yeah, and that's kind of a good way to to rotate to the defense too because Sheldon Keefe has been doing a lot of shuffling back there lately. Um, and Justin Hall was the one who got sat tonight and the D pairings look good. I'm kind of wondering, this was a question that we got from Sally on uh, on Twitter, was, well, it was discussed Timothy Liljegren and then Golatelli asked us about, you know, what do we think that tonight's D pairings were the playoff D pairings? And I'll start with that with you. Is is tonight's defense grouping the the lineup that you think we start game one with well it's really hard to say to say no to a defense that looked as good as they did tonight like it's just i i'm a i'm a low-key justin hall truther but the way that they were playing tonight and the way the lines just kind of like fit as nicely as they did it's uh i'm having a really hard time imagining another defensive core uh going into game one so like I, I, I think that there's a possibility that Justin Hall's PK one ability is enough to get him into the game one lineup. Um, but at the same time, they were just the D looked really good tonight and really solid. So um, I think that this is if the playoffs started tomorrow and uh, nothing really changes over the next ten games um, or whatever it is to finish the season. Like I think that this is a real possibility. This is the lineup we're seeing in the playoffs. Thank God it's only eight games because I, I want the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm ready. I'm with you, though. I think Timothy Liljegren, we saw him sit for a couple games. He came back against Buffalo, was arguably their best defenseman in that game. Him and him and Riley actually led the team in uh, expected goals that game. Uh, at 73%, they were one of our actual good pairings that night. And again, him and Giordano played together tonight. They weren't. You know they weren't as good numbers wise, but they looked they looked fine to me. He made the odd mistake, but if he's gonna look like this and he's gonna play well, I don't see how you can't start game one with him. And again, it's not. I'm I'm sort of with you in being a Hall truther. I don't think he's a bad defenseman by any means. And if we're making a run, you're definitely gonna use him. I actually I tweeted earlier in the week that I, like maybe it was a week ago or so uh, when Lilligren was the one sitting. I said get used to this because he trusts Hall. That's that's a guy that he's believed in. Um, and so that's why I still kind of could see Hall making his way back into the lineup. But I think the way I'd be starting the playoffs, if we keep up this way, would be give Liljegren game one because we saw Brody Muzzin tonight. They were just insane. 97% expected goals. They had 0.02 expected goals against. Like they did not give up anything offensively. That looks like a pairing that I really like. Um, I think that has the potential to be our shutdown pairing. 
Riley Labushkin, they looked good as they normally do. And then Giordano Lilligren, you know, they were passable. So I think right now you kind of want to leave those first two pairings together. And it's all about who's going to go with Giordano. Is it going to be Lilligren? Is it going to be Hall? I'm giving Lilligren game one. And if he doesn't show the rookie jitters, then I'm leaving him in. And if, if he shows, you know, that, that the moment's a little bit too big for him, then I think that's when you go to a more veteran guy in Justin Hall. And I think you deserve a couple stick taps there because I know you've been a big Muzzin Brody truther for a couple uh, a couple months now. So it's nice seeing you get rewarded with such a good second pair. It's uh, <laughs> it's very gratifying. Nothing I gotta say though, there has been nothing more gratifying this season than seeing everybody else turn on Pierre Engvall. Because I remember early in the year, people were just roasting our bottom line, roasting Engvall, and as you well know, Noah, I have been a longtime Pierre Engvall supporter. And yeah, that, that guy has just been incredible lately, but I agree, man. Brody Muzzin, just, you got to give these guys more run together. And I think Labushkin's a, a good partner for Riley too. He's just, he's so defensively solid. You see him lay the body. I think that they, especially if they're getting, um, you know, easier minutes with Brody and Muzzin eating the tough stuff. I think that's a, that's a pair that can really thrive as well. Yeah, and I think we're at a point with Riley where he's, like, in years past, he almost needed the babysitter. He needed Brody to really be effective. But we're seeing recently he's he's kind of been able to do a lot more on his own. And um, I know he's not perfect defensively, um, and the numbers will say that. But he's, I feel like he's really picked it up lately. Um, and he just, he looks good. It's almost like he doesn't need Brody like he has in years past. And he can play um, with a guy like Labushkin and be effective for us. Yeah, and Labushkin's a lot like, like we've made this comparison before, but he's a lot like Ron Hainsey. He's just, you know, he's not going to give you anything offensively, but he's going to get the puck. He's either going to make the first outlet pass he can to a forward, or he's going to get it over to Riley so he can make the decision. But I actually saw Labushkin. I couldn't believe it. My dad told, like, he's like, wow, what a nice pass. I think it was up to Mikheyev or Engvall, one of the fast guys. And I was like, who was that? Was that Geo? He's like, no, that was that was Labushkin. And I was like, okay, maybe he's, uh, maybe he's, rubbing off on Labushkin a little bit, giving him some of that offensive flair. We saw actually a really nice pass um, by Labushkin. He kind of jumped in the rush and gave that cross ice pass to Mikheyev to set him up for the goal as well. And we heard Sheldon Keefe, uh, I think it was earlier today or it was yesterday, where he basically said the four left-handed defensemen, Giordano, Brody, Riley, and Muzzin are all locked for the playoff roster. And it's kind of a battle for those last two. And to me, it honestly really seems like Labushkin is solidifying his spot, especially with a game like tonight. So I think the only question about the Leafs D going into the playoffs is really just going to be between Lilligren and Hall. And then um, Sandine's kind of going to be an injury replacement if, uh, if we do go have a couple guys go down. Now, it wasn't all uh, sunshine and lollipops today in Leafland. They they got a little bit of, I wouldn't know if you'd even call it bad news, but slightly disappointing for some of us in the Matthew Nyes fan club. I know you are probably the leading member of that fan club, Noah. So what did you think of uh, Matthew Nyes' decision to not sign an entry-level deal with the, the Leafs this year? Um, I was driving uh, home today and I saw it pop up on my phone. I kind of just let out a big sigh. And I was like, oh, I was, I was really hoping that he was going to come in and play on the fourth line and give us like six to seven minutes as like a bulldozer, just run guys over, maybe play some PP too, and just kind of be an energy guy. But, um, you know, 
I think we'll look back on this in the future and we'll we'll say that this was the right decision. Uh, him going back to college, this is going to be a big year for him. He's probably one of the top uh, NCAA players going into next season right now. So um, I think he's playing alongside of a uh, of a top draft pick in next year as well in Adam Fantilli. I'm pretty sure he's also uh, committed to the Gophers next year. So uh, he should get a new center after Ben Myers left. So I think it'll be... Um, good eventually but right now it's kind of like oh i was pretty hyped up for him and now he's not coming yeah i was like i wasn't expecting him to come in and even even be as good as cole caulfield was for the habs last year in the playoffs because cole was was a year earlier and had lit up the ncaa a little bit more in his second year he had a very similar uh first season to Nyes, but his second year was was better than Nyes was this year so i didn't have major expectations but it would have been nice, one, just to kind of get him under contract and have 100% security that he's going to be a Leaf. Um, and then, yeah, just have that fourth-line option where he's a physical guy, so he may, he may have been able to fit in and actually give us a, a bit of skill in the fourth line. But at the end of the day, I don't think the difference in the Toronto Maple Leafs winning a playoff round or winning a Stanley Cup is going to be the six, seven minutes that Matthew Nyes gives them over a uh, you know a, a potentially Nick Robertson or, or Spezza or Blackwell, whoever – whoever he'd be taking out. Um, but yeah, it's it, it was a little disappointing for me too. I One thing that I would like to say though is that I'm not scared at all that he's not going to be a Leaf. I know a lot of, not a lot of people, mostly fans of other teams are like, oh, he's going to stay and he's not going to sign. It's like, that's not even a remote possibility. Uh, you, you know, you have to stay your full four years and graduate from university, which would mean he would have to stay two more years beyond this one. So He's not doing that. If he's very likely going to be NHL ready by the end of next season, he'll probably come to join the Leafs for the playoff push, and then I'll be expecting real big things from him if he continues on this path. Um, so he's not going to pass up on two years of NHL salary. You know, getting a chance to play with Austin Matthews, who's the best player in the NHL from his own same hometown. Like, if Owen Power signed with Buffalo, <laughs> Matthew Nyes is not passing up the Leafs. Yeah, absolutely no shot. I don't even, I don't have any time of the day to even think about that. That's just, I, I think that's a zero possibility. Um, I tweeted something earlier today and I, I don't want it taken out of context later down the road, but I said something like, I'm hoping that Matthew Nyes goes back to college and has the Mitch Marner going back to OHL equivalent season. I think that, I think it's unrealistic to expect that he's going to come back with the hardware and have quite the season that Marner had because he was otherworldly that year. That's one of the best junior seasons we've ever seen. But I I wouldn't be surprised if Matt Nice goes back to college and he's Hobie Baker finalist, pushing for a championship, playing a leadership role on his team, leading his team in points, and just has a big year. Like, I think that that's totally in the cards. And, like, next year comes around and we're at the trade deadline and you're thinking, hey, we might add this incredible player in Matthew Nice. I think that that's really enticing and we're going to, we're going to be salivating next year. We were all, we got a little taste of him now and we all got introduced to the Matthew Nyes hype. And I think next year we might be looking at this as, Oh my goodness, the player we're about to add. Yeah. I think there was only about like a five to 10% chance that he came in and provided like a significant game changing boost to our lineup this year. So in the long run, it's probably a good thing because, you know, he signs that three year entry level deal. Now he's going to be, he would still be in his entry-level deal making basically no money uh, in the first year of Austin Matthews' next deal. So that's going to be a big cap bonus for the Leafs. But yeah, next year, he if he continues on the path like he does, if he is you know a Hobie Baker finalist, somebody who's you know putting up 
something like 50 points in 35 games or, or 55 points, something crazy like that. That is a guy who, yeah, you could see not, not the same level as a Kale McCarr, but somebody like Kale McCarr who could be a real viable contributor to a playoff team and potentially in like a middle six or even top six role for us. Now, before we get into our stars of the game, we did have one more really good question. It came from Golatelli, who uh, I actually misattributed Maple Leaf Mania's question to us from earlier. But Golatelli asked us, you know, they had a similar question on the quiz during today's game, but who are your sleeper picks for players that will be huge in the playoffs for the Leafs? So Noah, you tell me, who is a, who is your big sleeper for this team? I think that my sleeper would probably be Timothy Lilligren. I think if he's giving you top four quality minutes playing with Giordano on the third pair of this team, I think that you are absolutely laughing with, uh, with the amount of depth that that decor would have. Um, so he would be, I think he's my pick for the, the kind of guy who would step up in a playoff series. And I could see having four to five games where he just blacks out and decides that he's going to play the best week of his hockey career. I can definitely see it with the way he looked, um, right off the bat with Gio, he kind of looks like a different player and he's that pairing could take on an even bigger role. If we get into the playoffs and a Muzzin gets injured or, or just, you know, whoever it might be gets injured, that, that pairing might not be a third pairing for long. Like that could easily be a, a pairing that plays over 20 minutes a night. So I think that's a really good pick. Now, no, I'm just going to have you guess. Who do you think my pick is for the sleeper of the playoffs? Oh, I think you're uh, your favorite player of all time, obviously. Yes. <laughs> Austin, Ma no, just kidding. Pierre <laughs> Engvall. Very good. It was Pierre. I mean, I, we've already talked about Pierre a bunch, but the guy just flies out there. Him and Nylander seem to be developing a chemistry. I think that's going to be a massive, massive uh, impact for the team. That Having a third line that can actually not only be very solid defensively, but actually is contributing significant offense to the team as well. Uh, and I know you and I were talking earlier about, about another guy who we both agreed, um, and that's Ilya Mikheyev. Yeah, you could give it to him too. He's just uh, the way that he's been flying recently, and it feels like this this Tavares promotion has just gone right to his legs, and he's just deciding that all of a sudden he's this incredible uh, goal scorer, and he's like the fastest player alive. His one move is just, it works every time. I don't know who taught him how to do that, but that's uh, that's like one of the MVPs of the Leaf season, whoever taught him what that move was. So uh, he's another guy that in the playoffs, you know, he gives you... Uh, he feels like the kind of guy who could score a big overtime winner to win you a close game that you really need to to win to take a stranglehold on a series or uh, that could be the difference maker in a big series. So I'm uh, I'm really liking what I see out of both your guys, Mikheyev and Engvall. And that's a good point that I think is something we really lacked last year. Like outside of Spezza, it really didn't feel like any of the non-core four guys were going to make that big difference for the team. But now it feels like we just have a number of guys who – are going to come up with those Shane Corson, Darcy Tucker, like, you know, Alan McCauley, just be those kind of lesser, lesser known players who, who just come up with a big goal at a big time. I think Mikheyev is capable. Engvall is capable. Um, we've even seen camp score a bunch of goals this year. And then you got a guy like Kasha Blackwell. Like there's just so many guys on this team who I feel like, you know, on a certain night are just going to make a massive impact. Now, uh, speaking of massive impacts, I think it's time we get to our stars of the game and, Again, being being such a generous and kind guy, I will give you the first pick. Um, I think my star of the game has to go to Michael Bunting. You know, he's had a he's had a goal uh, drought for the past I think twelve or thirteen games. The puck's just not been going in for him. Uh, 
he uh, he had a funny quote today about it, and uh, you know he I, he got two off the he got two goals, got the monkey off his back, and uh, you know he's uh, he's really pushing for that rookie of the year. You know he might get it done. So I think for tonight, I think I'd have Michael Bunting as my uh, as my MVP of the game, my star of the game. No, no. By any chance, do you uh, do you have that quote? I can pull it up for you. Maybe you want to start with your uh, your star of the game, and I'll pull it up for after. All right. Well, with my star of the game, you know, William Nylander is one of my favorite players. He was undoubtedly the best player on the ice tonight. But I got to go with the Boosh, man. How often do you get to pick Ilya Labushkin as your star of the game? And that is exactly who I'm going with. Him and Riley looked great all night. He had an actually really nice goal. Like, it was an absolute piss missile, um, you know, right inside the post. I mean, how can you... How can you not love a guy like that? He's he's another guy who we probably could have picked for like a sleeper for the Leafs just because he's going to be one of those guys who delivers those big body checks and, and makes it a lot harder on opponents. Yeah, and not only star of the night, but maybe quote of the night from Michael Bunting. I've got it pulled up here. From Mikey Stevens, 81. Bunting on his goal drought. You can't get too low in the lows or you'll kill yourself. <laughs> what a lie. <laughs> Very positive stuff from us. Um, he he he's a you can tell this man grew up a Leaf fan. He knows what it feels like. He knows that if you get too invested and you get too low into the lows of the Toronto Maple Leafs, that you're gonna find yourself in some pretty dark spaces. So, for all of you listeners, if uh, if the Leafs do blow it this year, just turn on a Blue Jays game. You know the weather will be nice. Go golf. Go to the beach. Go do something else. Life will be okay. But no, I'm thinking this team's not going to give us many more lows. No, I think that we're uh, I think we're on exponential growth, and it's uh, it's only up from here. And yeah, I think that's a great place to leave it too. We'll go out on a high. So uh, thank you everybody for listening. Um, if you could, if you want to like, rate, subscribe, review, all that good stuff, do that. Thanks again, Noah, for coming on. Thanks for having me, man. Always a pleasure. And. It's also always a pleasure to watch the Leafs play playoff teams because they just win. So with that, I bid you all a good day. Boop, boop, boop.